Did you know good people don't go to heaven? Forgiven people do. So where does that leave you? Well, you don't want to miss today's episode that starts right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful to be able to be talking to you today. Uh, We are in the middle of a series. Uh, It's called Red Letter Day. And uh, we've just been talking about uh, all the things that Jesus said as he was uh, coming to the cross and as he was on the cross. And so uh, we just really want to uh, bring those words attention to attention to you and, and uh, just uh, they really have some great meaning and, and can be an impact in our lives. So with that said, we believe that uh, you are listening for a reason or purpose and uh, we are praying that God will give you what that might be today. So you've probably seen the image before, maybe on a church lawn or a a famous painting, perhaps in a movie, or maybe even on an Easter greeting card. You've seen the three crosses, one symbolizing the dying Savior Jesus, and on both his sides, his right and his left side, were two thieves. The Bible doesn't tell us how much, uh, tells much about the the two thieves. Uh, We don't know where they were from. We don't know how old they were. We don't know what they did to deserve death, but but we do know that both of them interacted with Jesus. One of the criminals, he looked at Jesus and he hurled insults at him. He said, you call yourself the Christ. You saved others. Why don't you save yourself and save us? And the other one, though, had a very short, very simple conversation that changed his eternity. And it might just change yours when the repentant thief looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at that criminal that only deserved death, and Jesus said the most remarkable grace-filled words in history when he said, today you will be with me in paradise. So we believe that God, as he always, has a reason, a purpose for why you are where. And I just mentioned that before I started, and I just want you to know that um, today is not by accident that you are listening to um, today's uh, episode, uh, because we've been praying for you and we believe that this is a very important, uh, opportunity in your life to, to hear these words today in your journey towards God. So uh, I want to kind of start things off. I would like to ask for you to participate with me a little bit as much as you can being on the other side of, of this podcast, but I want to ask you a question and I want you to think about this on a scale of one to 100, how good of a person are you, you know? One is the lowest, the worst of the worst, the creepy, weirdo, loser, sinner guy, (laughs) okay? Or 100 is perfect. You are Jesus, never sin. And in case some of you are wondering, let me just make it clear, you are not 100. You may think you are, but you are not, okay? Uh, To also give you some perspective on this, let's just say the lower digits, you know, like one, two, three, maybe. Uh, Might be like an axe murderer, bin Laden, maybe. Uh, Or people with two or more cats, just saying. 
Okay. Uh, the higher end would be Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, and my wife. I'm hoping to get some brownie points with that, right? <laughs> Where would you rank yourself, though? Those of you at, uh, that are, are out there, you, you can just, you know, if you want to, you can participate by typing in a number and a comment today. That would be awesome. Uh, but here's what I want you to do. Just think about what your number is, okay? I hope you got it. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you, how did you do? Because some of you are probably going to try to defend your number. Like if you're sitting with somebody right now, you're like, you know, I really am that good. I'm, I'm an 88. I'm that good, okay? And so let's just do this. Let's just kind of open it up a little bit. Uh, I want you to ask, I want to ask you if you fell in these ranges, okay, to just kind of think about this. If you fell in the range of 1 to 30, okay, um, you, you know, that's that's on the lower end, okay? Uh, that means you're a bad person and you need to get out wherever you are right now. No, I'm just messing with you, okay? That's that's just, you know, on the lower end. Those of the, you rank yourself between 30 and 50, uh, I want to just kind of let you know that you are on the lower end, okay? But be encouraged because you are on the half that makes the top half possible, okay? Hope that makes you feel good, okay? Um, if you are 50 to 80, um, you know, somebody needs to tap you on the shoulder and to say, you're a good person. You know, you're a good person. Uh, now, let's see who's the cream of the crop. If you are in 80 to 100, um, you know, I just want you to know, you've always made it miserable for the rest of our whole lives, okay? Uh, you think you're so great and everything. No, I'm just messing with you, okay? That's that's good. If you think you're an 80 to 100, that's awesome. But here's what the deal is. It's interesting and kind of funny to ask yourself, where do you rank compared to others? Okay, let me give you just two real simple and obvious thoughts about comparing. So when you compare yourself to others, one of two things happens. The first thing is you often feel better about yourself. Okay, if you're sitting by someone that you think is not that good of a person and you compare yourself to them, you feel better about yourself. You might say, you know, I don't cuss like they do. I'm just not a bad person like they are. I, I tend to try to help people when they are in need. I give money occasionally to help out. I go to church every now and then. I'm generally a good person. I try hard, never killed anybody. I don't cheat on my taxes as much as other people do. You know, I'm a pretty good person. I compare myself to others. You make me feel good about myself, right? If on the other hand, though, you are sitting next to someone who seems to be a better person than you, you often feel worse about yourself, okay? When you compare yourself to them, you don't feel quite as good about yourself. You feel a little bit inadequate, for example, some of you might be a, a mom and you've got this friend who's just like super mom, you know, da, 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 every time, right? She's annoyingly perfect. Her hair is perfect. Her house is perfect. Kids are perfect. And you're like, how does she do that? You know, she makes me feel bad about myself. And I know I'm supposed to love her and I do, but sometimes I secretly, secretly hate her guts, right? <laughs> because she makes me feel inadequate. Or it could be the guy financially that just everything seems to work for him. You try so hard to get ahead, but whatever you do, it just doesn't quite work. And he shows up with a new boat, new house, new car, and you're like, I don't feel good about myself. Or it could be that you are sincerely a follower of Jesus. You want to please God by being a good Christian, and yet you just can't seem to get it right. You've got this other friend who is like mega Christian. Someone has a hard time, and this person quotes a Bible verse for everything. You're like, how do they do that? That's just annoying, right? I can't do that. You compare yourself with some people, and you feel better about yourself 
right? You compare yourself to others and you think, well, man, if they just knew what I've done or about my thought life, I, I just feel so inadequate. So on a scale of one to 100, how good of a person are you? Today, we're going to look at two people who were not so good, who were hanging next to Jesus as he was giving his life for us on the cross. And so we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 23, and we're going to start with 32, verse 32 through 33. Okay, here's what scripture says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. So let me just kind of drive this home a little bit. So who's next to him? Two criminals, right? These were not good people. Not, not only were they not good people, but chances are very good that they were just considered the lowest of the low in society. See, when Jesus lived, crucifixion was just one, di- one of different ways, uh, one of many different ways, I'll say it that way, to execute a person. In, in fact, it was the most expensive way to execute, okay? And, and therefore, it was reserved to do one of two things. One was to publicly uh, humiliate someone, and the second was to bring excruciating pain. In fact, the word excruciating, it literally means out of the cross. The word we use today for the worst type of pain comes out of the cross. It was a very expensive way to execute because it would take at least four Roman soldiers, it would take a centurion, and it would often take several days for the person to die. So they're spending a lot of man hours um, watching and waiting for this person to die, okay? It was used to humiliate and to torture the worst of the worst, all right? So it would be very rare also for a Roman to crucify a Roman. Typically, Romans would crucify Jewish slaves and others for a couple of reasons. One, they're for their crime, of course. Secondly, though, for the type of person they were, just for who they were. For Jesus to be crucified was a very bold statement to say, basically, you call yourself the king of the Jews, but really, you are a slave in our eyes. So, First of all, we've got an insult to Jesus, and secondly, we've got Jesus by two criminals, right? So we don't know what they did, but we know it was probably bad. They were considered the lowest of the low in society. It was probably two slaves who committed some crime, and so Jesus was hanging by what we would call the worst of the worst. And so scripture goes on to say in Luke 23, starting verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus answers this guy who could do nothing right, who, who couldn't make up for his sins, who, who only deserved death, right? Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today... You will be with me in paradise. This story, perhaps above all others, illustrates one of the most important truths in life and corrects one of the biggest misunderstandings in the world today. One of the most common misunderstandings in the world today is that good people go to heaven. We're not sure how good, but most people today want to believe, I'm not as bad as others. I hope I'm good enough. If I try really hard and I'm a good person, at least sort of good, that good people will go to heaven. But this story illustrates perfectly that good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And there is a huge difference. Good people do not go to heaven because in reality, none of us are good. 
Scripture says that God alone is good and that all of us fall short of the standard of God. And the good news is good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Let's look at the forgiven criminal, the forgiven one, we'll call him, okay? And look at two of the things that would apply to our lives, okay? The first one if, uh, is, looking at the forgiven one, is he admits wrong. Look again at what he said in verse 41. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. In other words, he's saying we have sinned. We, we've done it. And what's interesting today is so many people don't want to admit to doing anything wrong. We compare ourselves to others. We'll say, sure, I'm not perfect, but, but I'm better than most. When we compare ourselves to other people, it's easy for us to rank ourselves perhaps you know, above average. But when we compare ourselves to Christ, the only 100, none of us are good people. In fact, I can remember when I was a kid, people would tell me, you know, you're, you're a good kid. You're such a good kid. And, and the first time I realized that I was really sinful happened to be in church. It's kind of a weird and odd and semi-disgusting story, but but I'm going to share it with you anyways, okay? Uh, now, mind you, I was a little kid under the age of five, so keep that in mind. That's a very important part of this story, okay? I'm under the age of the five, uh, so don't think anything less of me, all right? I hope you won't. Uh, <laughs> sitting there in the pew as as the priest was in his robe doing the priest thing. Now, some of you might not know this, but I grew up in a, in a Catholic church, and, and I was sitting in the seat, and I'm fidgety, okay? And my mom and dad would do that death cloth thing, you know, like grab my my leg and just kind of hold it there, you know? And then sometimes they'd give me the look, you know, because I was always fidgety and everything. So here I am, fidgety. Mom and dad haven't given me the death cloth to look yet. And I got bored. And that is when I realized there was a foreign object in my nose. <laughs> That's politically correct way to say that there was a booger jammed up in my nose, all right? And so when you are a kid, you don't ever wait to get it out, right? Whenever you realize that it's there, it's, it's fair game, and you just, just go at it, right? And so I just dug right in to get the booger out, okay? Now, mind you, I'm in church, and when I get to the edge of the booger, it felt like a normal one, right? Kind of crusty, pretty normal. But what I didn't realize, it was a comet one. You guys know what a comet one is? It's one with a tail behind it, okay? <laughs> you, you can't ever tell if they have a long tail, so, so, I'm, so I'm digging this thing out, and when I pulled it out, I got more than I bargained for, right? Uh, it just kept coming, <laughs> and, and I'm panicking, right? And I'm a little kid in church with all this stuff, right, this big old booger, and, and so I wrapped it up as fast as I could, not in a Kleenex as most people would, because we all know that on a good day, when you get a boogie out, you just kind of do a clean roll and flick it, right? You're done. You know, you're over and out, get it out there, whatever. Well, I've got this long tail on it. And so I did the instinctive, reflective thing that you would do as a kid. I reached beneath the pew, and I just wiped it on the first thing I could. <laughs> you know, And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, thank God this is over, right? Man, nobody saw this. I'm good to go. And immediately after that, as I've God ordained it, the priest said to us, reach underneath the pews and pull out your Bibles. And sure enough, I reached down, and there was my booger on the Bible. And I'm thinking to myself, if I was an 80, I am now negative 20, right? I'm certainly going to hell where the worm never dies, where the weeping and gnashing of teeth are, right? I wiped a wet one on the word of God. You know, I know that is disgusting, but at that moment, I'm sitting there going, 
I'm bad, right? I'm I'm a bad person for doing this. I'm just not good. That's that's gonna that's gotta be blasphemy, right? It's got to be one of the big ten commandments, you know, like thou shalt not wipe wet ones on the Bible. You know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a good person at this point. I'm just really not. And yet today, all over the world, we've we've got people convinced, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not a bad person. I'm better than most, and I hope I'm good enough. Many of you, you might feel that way. You hope you are good enough, and, and you think, man, I should be good enough. And so what I want to do today is I want to actually prove to you, you're really not, okay? So I'm going to ask you uh, kind of a series of questions. And, and again, I need your participation, so you've got to participate in this, okay? The first question, how many of you ever told a lie? If that's you, you know, think about that. If you've told a lie, that, that's you, okay? Um, if you told a lie, you're a liar, right? Now, the next one um, is kind of a personal question, but I'll ask it anyway. How many of you ever stolen something? Okay, Think back. Have you ever stolen something? Now, if you're thinking maybe I haven't, think this way. Have you ever walked out of a bank or a school or a doctor's office or a church with an extra pin? You stole something, okay? So if you've ever stolen something, it makes you a thief. Here's another one, okay? Uh uh, let me give you just a little bit of heads up. If you're sitting with uh, a loved one, be careful how you answer this one, okay? <laughs> uh, how many of you have had a lustful thought before? Because in the New Testament, Jesus said, if you look lustfully at a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Let me just share something with you. This goes both ways. Just because it says a woman there doesn't mean women have the right to look at men lustfully, okay? It goes both ways. So according to Jesus in the New Testament, if you ever looked or thought lustfully, you are an adulterer, okay? Last one I have is how many of you have ever put something ahead of God? Just be real honest with yourself, okay? What do you think that would make you if you put something before God? It could be anything, video game, job, whatever, right? That would make you an idolater, okay? So let's just call it what it is, all right? If you've done all these things, and most people have, you are a lying, thieving, adulterous idolater, Welcome to Chandler Acres and the Venture Podcast, right? Where we're here to make you feel good about yourself, right? <laughs> okay, you are not a good person when you compare yourself to the standard of God. In fact, the Bible is so clear. Listen to what it says in James 2.10. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. Let me read that to you again. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. If you've done one thing wrong in God's eyes, your sin separates you from him. You are as guilty as much as if you've broken all of them. It doesn't matter what number you are. We've all fallen short, and we are not good in our own behavior and morals before God. The forgiven criminal, he admits wrong. He says, I've sinned, I've done something wrong. The second thing he does is this. He asks for eternal help. Now, don't miss this. Both of the criminals ask for help, and a lot of people today, when it comes to God, they may not be sure if there is a God, but if there is one, they certainly want God to help them out in this life. The first one does that, right? The first criminal does that. Jesus, if you are the Christ, save yourself, and hey, while you're at it, save us too. In other words, God, if you are there, if that really is you, make my life better. You know, heal my grandmother of cancer, Help me get the promotion. Help me get the date. Help me buy my house. Give me the raise that I need to buy my house. God, if you're there, 
help me now. But the, the forgiven one asks for help eternally. Let's look at what he said again in verses 42 through 43. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, now don't miss this. Both thieves were, were guilty. Both were suffering severely. Both were dying. Both needed a savior. Both heard and saw the same things during those fateful six hours. But one was forgiven and one wasn't. The reality is that every single one of us, we are one of two thieves. The amazing thing to me is there will be those of you today, okay, that you'll be sitting side by side with someone. And one of you, your eyes are going to be open spiritually. You're going to call on Christ. You're going to be forgiven for everything you've ever done. You are going to be totally transformed and you're going to be brand new spiritually. And your life on earth and internally will never ever be the same. But sitting right by you, will be someone else who will hear the same things, have the same need, and go, yep, check. You know, attended service, worship service today, and, you know, now where are we going for lunch? And nothing is going to happen, both with the same need and the same opportunity, and one is transformed and the one leaves exactly the same. You are one of two thieves. It doesn't matter what number you are. Here's the deal. Because of what Jesus did, his death and his resurrection, no matter what your number, he makes up the difference. If you're an 88, he's the missing 12. If you're a 12, he's the missing 88. He makes up the difference. If we're going to be really technical, though, technically we are all a zero. Technically he is 100. And when you call on him, you become 100. Not because of your goodness, right? Not because of the things you do, not by your works, but because of his goodness. You become a hundred for those of you who are in Christ. You are declared righteous because of what he did for you on the cross. And the Bible couldn't say it more clearly than this in, in Romans 3, 20 through 22. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. This righteousness is from faith, not works. It's from faith in Christ, not works. It's not from religious activity. It's not from joining a church. It's not from attending church every Sunday. It's not from being good enough. It's not from not being bad enough. It's from faith in Christ. We need to understand the forgiven criminal on the cross. He couldn't do any good works. His hands were bound. He couldn't turn over a new leaf. His feet were nailed to the cross. This guy couldn't give money to some organization because he couldn't get down. He couldn't start over and say, from now on, I'll always and I'll never. He couldn't do anything but trust in the grace of Christ, saved by faith in him, not by works, because the reality is this, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross when he gave his life and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. And three days later, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And for centuries, people on this weekend of Easter weekend have declared, he is risen. I declare to you today, we can be forgiven 
because he is risen. Our sins are forgiven and we can be in Christ. You are not a 22 or a 72. You are a 100 because he is risen. And that is why we declare his word boldly when 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise be to God, for he has risen. Amen. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. It also concludes our series on Red Letter Day. We hope you'll be back next week as we start a brand new series. Super excited about it. It's called The End. I'll leave it at that. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.